energy pulls northwest. I'm confident that we can build a world-class power system. Power to the people. The Northwest is blessed with abundant supplies of renewable hydropower. Wind, solar, technology, innovation, climate change. Nation's largest fish and wildlife the program. The natural hydroelectric power resources belonging to the people of the United States shall remain forever. Energy Pulse Northwest. Welcome to Energy Pulse Northwest, a podcast that brings you in-depth stories on energy-related issues, trends, and innovations, and introduces you to people working behind the scenes in the complex energy business. I'm Scott Sims, Director of Communications. Today, we'll be talking about BPA's new strategic plan, which we rolled out earlier this year. Joining me is our administrator, Elliot Mainzer. Also joining me is Tina Coe, our Deputy Chief Operating Officer, who has played an important role in aligning internal organizations with our new strategic goals. So Elliot, we rolled out the 2018 to 2023 strategic plan earlier this year, and the tagline on the cover says, quote, delivering on our public responsibilities through a commercially successful business. In a nutshell, what does that really mean to you? One of the things that always fascinates me about Bonneville is those, the scope of our public responsibilities. It's such a huge organization, right? We're administering and marketing 22,000 megawatts of, of environmentally sustainable hydroelectricity, <clears throat> running a 15,000-mile transmission grid, uh, providing one of the largest fish and wildlife programs uh, in the world, delivering thousands of megawatts of energy efficiency savings, uh, providing customer service. We're just a huge organization, uh, and I think a lot of people tend to think of ourselves as think of us as you know at being a federal agency as you know, sort of tax funded and receiving lots of government funding. Well, at the end of the day, we are actually a self financing business. We have to deliver on our public responsibilities by having a solid customer base, solid contracts. We actually have to have healthy finances. We have to deliver on our public responsibilities through a commercially successful business because nobody's there to bail us out if we don't succeed. And so I've really felt that in order for us to continue uh, to play a role, as we say, as being an engine of the region's economic prosperity and environmental sustainability. We need to make sure that we really do have a commercially strong business model, that we're able to really keep our customers satisfied with our products and services, and at the end of the day, recover our costs and be commercially successful. So that's really the heart of, of what we're talking about there. That's great. So, Elliot, you know, you cross a lot of paths as the administrator. Uh, you talk to lots of different folks in the stakeholder community, customers, tribes, lots of folks throughout the Pacific Northwest. What do you think has been the reaction from folks uh, when you talk about delivering on our public responsibilities and a commercially successful business? Because you don't actually see that all the time in a strategic plan. Yeah, you know, I, I think generally, I personally think the reaction has been pretty positive, And I think partly because we've really tried to embrace both of the key elements of our mission. When you think about that mission and vision for Bonneville, being that engine of, of economic prosperity and environmental sustainability, that really speaks to a very broad array of, broad array of constituents in the region. And I think the, the specific actions that we've identified in this plan, four big focuses area, areas on our finances and on our assets and our products and services, and increasingly on our transmission grid, I think people see that those really are the specific things we need to take on to position Bonneville for long-term commercial success. And I think customers see themselves in that. I see they, I think the messages that they've delivered to us over the last few years about rate sustainability and about cost management are clearly there. I think employees 
uh, feel a sense of connectivity and a sense of excitement around modernizing our grid and participating in, in new market mechanisms and really caring and feeding for the hydro and transmission assets and also really sustaining our role uh, in habitat restoration, salmon protection, energy efficiency, and the other public purpose of obligations that I think attract a lot of people uh, to BPA. So I think it's been good. And then as you, you're just discussing with Tina, you know, our, our business lines and, and largely under uh, Tina's leadership with, with other folks, they've done a great job of really starting to take the strategy and really bring it home into the business and make sure that everybody across the organization understands their role and relationship to it. And so we'll talk more about that. But that's been, I think, really essential to our success. Great. You know, um, you mentioned Tina and you mentioned the four goals. Let's jump right into those four strategic goals uh, of the strategic plan. We've got strengthen financial health, modernize assets and system operations, provide competitive power products and services, and meet transmission customer needs efficiently and responsibly. So, Tina, why are these strategic goals the right goals for BPA right now? Thanks, Scott. So I just want to build on what Elliot was talking about in terms of um, delivering on our public responsibilities through a commercially successful business. These four goals really are the pillars that will get us to that uh, objective. Uh, the first pillar around financial health, obviously, you know, it's... Um, we want to be a stable business partner. We need to be able to deliver on our public responsibilities by being a uh, financially resilient organization. And then the last three objectives really centered in around our assets and uh, focusing on customer needs. Um, so this morning, you know, I was messing around with my phone, and I recall when cell phones first came into the industry, and it really was just a phone. Uh, you didn't, you weren't attached to a landline. And at the time, I remember everyone was just really excited that you could carry your, cell, your phone around with you. And it was absolutely appropriate for the time. And now you fast forward to 2018 and it's become your camera, your GPS, your life manager. And really the strategy is about, we've been very successful. We've had this great legacy these last 80 years, but in order to continue that legacy, we've got to meet customers where they what they need us to do now, right? So back to the cell phone equivalent, it's not just the phone anymore. It's going to be these other things that customers will need and value as we move forward. Great. You know, Elliot uh, has talked about strategy, and if anybody has been around Elliot, they also hear him talk about culture. And uh, he talks a lot about um, how you can't have one without the other. And so, Elliot, maybe you can share a little bit more <clears throat> about what you think is that relationship between strategy and cult culture for yeah. our listeners. You know, this really has been probably my my biggest learning as, as administrator, and I know my, my peers out in the industry who are managing large organizations all really come to this. And it's, there's that famous quote about, you know, strategy is really important, but, but culture eats strategy for lunch. I've always been a bit of a fan of that. Did, that line didn't quite make it into the strategic plan, but, <laughs> but an equivalent statement that, you know, a strategy really is nothing without the people and culture to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, at the end of the day, especially in the electric utility environment, where we face such complex issues and complex operating environment and challenging topics, um, I really believe that if you don't have a safe and positive and diverse work environment where employees really feel connected to what you're doing, they really understand how 
what they're doing every day help advance that strategy, if they don't feel as though their leaders really care about them and value them as people and listen to them, you've, you've got to have an, a, a work environment that really unleashes their inherent skills and allows them to thrive as individuals and really contribute. So your culture is everything. The other thing for our customers, you know, have, have said to us, look, you guys, you need to be a little faster. You need to be more responsive. You need to get ahead of the curve on issues. You got to be more agile. Uh, we can't wait around for months and months and months and months to get a transmission service request addressed. And so we've really focused, particularly in our transmission business line, of being more responsive, changing the culture away from just our traditional towering strength in engineering to more of a strength in terms of customer responsiveness. Uh, and so that's a big part of the strategic plan as well. So we've really tried to incorporate both strategy uh, and culture and everything we do. And as, as I mentioned earlier, I think the work that Tina and the business units have done to try to bring the strategy home to each individual employee so they really understand what it's about is critical to unleashing the cultural elements as well. Well, let's turn to Tina on that uh, point, Elliot, about bringing the strategy home to our employees. Um, maybe you can tell us, Tina, about some of the changes we've made so far in support of our strategic goals and, and what's maybe in store for 2019. Absolutely. So 2018 has been a very busy year. So since publishing the strategic plan in January, we have set forth on ensuring that the strategic plan and the four goals that we've talked about becomes the organizing framework for everything that we do at BPA. Um, so two areas in particular that we've worked on. So one, uh, the framework around budgets and financial management, around workforce management, and even how we think about our business. Um, you'll hear in 2019 about program plans or functions, if you will, and every employee at BPA works to support one of these eight functions, really the eight critical functions that makes Bonneville run as a commercially successful business to deliver on our responsibilities. And these program, program plans are the tactics that actually um, describe uh, the things that we will do on a day-to-day -day basis, on a year-to-year -year basis, to actually deliver on those four strategic goals. The second piece we've been working on in terms of translating the strategy is in our communications. And we've spent a lot of time, whether it is uh, issuing a pulse survey and hearing directly from our staff, and then paying particular attention to the communication of our strategy. We've spent time at the manager's update hearing from uh, leaders across the agency, describe and contextualize and connect all these aspects and the day-to-day -day work to the, the goals and the strategic plan. And we've published them to staff so that they have the opportunity to hear and learn from these leaders in, in the agency on what is important and what we need to prioritize our focus on. And so it's funny, in the beginning of the strategic plan, when we talked about the four uh, overall goals, there were some folks who said, okay, how does this actually mesh? How does this actually put tires to pavement? And I think you're really talking about those operating plans and those main areas of emphasis really getting into each business unit and down to each employee, right? Absolutely. So we, we spent a lot of time um, standing those up in 18. So 2019 over a year, we continue to mature them. Starting in October, we will be communicating um, a lot of that information, as well as the new performance scorecards that uh, measure our progress on the strategic goals and a new success share um, that ties in with the strategy as well. 
Great, thank you. So, you know, earlier, Elliot, you talked about our customers really counting on us and really expecting us to deliver better customer service, more quick response, et cetera. You've got these long-term contracts with our electricity customers, and they're not going to expire until 2028. So how we know if we're going to be making strides towards becoming the preferred provider for our priority customers? Well, you know, at the end of the day, um, and, the, and part of the reason the strategic plan is really focused on 2018 through 2023 is that, you know, in the early to middle part of the next decade, our customers are going to have to make big decisions about who their power supplier is going to be. Our contracts expire in 2028. And really the heart and soul of the strategic plan and what we're really trying to accomplish is to make sure that when we get to that decision node in the early part of that next decade, that the customers are coming back to Bonneville and signaling a really strong interest in signing up with us again for another round of contracts. And the real metric for that will be our competitiveness. You know, they're going to look at the bottom line. Uh, they're going to take a look at our rates. They're going to compare that to alternatives. Uh, that are available in the marketplace. They're going to look at the fundamental value proposition, you know, our reliable, flexible, zero-carbon uh, power system, uh, a robust transmission grid, uh, I think a long-standing trusted business partner who's been around, and somebody who understands uh, the importance of, of selling power at cost with local control and local decision-making primacy. And we're going to do everything we can to make sure that we really are uh, the provider of choice. And so I think that the, the biggest, you know, there will be sort of a, you can sort of think of it as a bit of a referendum on whether Bonneville has successfully achieved that here in the next few years. And so our rates, our financial resiliency, and then also the, the, the more qualitative side. You know, we have long-standing relationships uh, with these customers. Uh, these are important. They go back 80 years. There's a lot of history. We've built our grid around the transmission system. Uh, we have, you know, we are part and parcel of the service territories across the Pacific Northwest. We want to maintain that, but at the end of the day, uh, they're going to watch our rates, they're going to watch our spending, they're going to make sure that we truly are demonstrating a commitment uh, to bending the cost curve and keeping the spread between our rates and other competitors uh, at a point where they really believe that we're, you know, we're the choice. Uh, for them for the future. So when you talk about competitiveness, obviously that means we've got to really make sure that we're offering something of value to folks out there in the utility environment. Talk a little bit about how you balance that need with also having a strong or healthy, healthy and financially um, stable BPA. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great question. It's one of the essential challenges that we're dealing with right now. The last few years, uh, have been a challenging operating environment for just about anybody in the hydroelectric business and even pretty much anybody uh, that's been has a big power seller into the West. You know, we've had a significant decline in natural gas prices. Uh, there's been a lot of new resource developed, particularly in California, which has affected the price of short-term energy. And we've seen some significant pressure on our revenue stream. There's also been some load loss, you know, some big industrial customers uh, moving <clears throat> out of the region, et cetera. And so we've faced some significant financial pressure. Now, I've been very clear with folks uh, coming from a strategic planning background, I like to get ahead of problems before they become really serious. And so we still are very fortunate to have, you know, several hundred millions of dollars of reserves. Uh, we have a strong credit rating. Uh, we have long-term contracts. But the trend in terms of depletion of our liquidity, uh, pressure on our revenue streams, 
told me that we need to get ahead of that problem right now. And so we have signaled, I think, very strong to customers. I think customers generally understand this, particularly those who are running their own utilities, that we need to make sure that we have healthy liquidity, that we've not got enough cash in the bank to weather short-term business disruptions, uh, that we get ourselves on a path of paying down our debt to financially sustainable levels, uh, and that we ultimately are taking steps in terms of cost management to make sure that our operating costs aren't creating additional upward rate pressure above the rate of inflation. I think we're making progress on all those. Some of them, particularly liquidity issues, do create some upward short-term rate pressures. That's a trade-off. I think we've found the right balance point in terms of where we're heading for our 2020-2021 rate proposal. Uh, It's not without some level of controversy, but at the end of the day, we want to make sure that Bonneville is a financially resilient organization such that if we experience significant change in our operating environment, we can weather disruption. So it is a balance. I think we've found the right balance, and I think we're generally getting a healthy level of support from customers. What about that balance, and this is maybe a question for both of you, about the the balance between those elements and how our employees and the workforce and managers are receiving that? You both spend a lot of time uh, with different folks at different levels of the organization, including out in the field and out in the districts. Um, What's been your experience so far in, in talking about that balance between competitiveness and financial resiliency? I'll do is just maybe address a a, a common um, uh, concern that I've heard from employees, and it's about wow, it's just you know we just seem to be in this cut cost, cut cost mode. Um, But I think it's it's an opportunity for us to think about it. It's not just about cutting costs, but it's about value, and it's an opportunity for us to check assumptions about our work, right? So what work is most needed, and then are we doing it in the most efficient and effective manner? So again, in order to get to those those strategic goals, we have to make investments. But we got to be smart about making those investments and the work and the dollar resources are being deployed to the areas that will get us there. And then the ones that are more indirectly related, those are the ones we really need to question and check whether or not those are still needed in the future. Yeah, I'll build on that. So just such an important point. You know, this last couple of years has been a tremendous focus on on cost management because you know at the at the end of the day our rates have been going up at what I consider to have been unsustainable levels and we've had to get our cost escalation under control which I think we've done you know you're, this is going to be I think one of the first rate periods in many many years when our rate period on rate period total programmatic costs are actually going down in in nominal terms so I think that's that's a big step forward but but as Tina said it really at the end of the day really is about delivering value and helping us get the maximum amount of value out of these assets on both the economic and the environmental side and so investing in the system remember we're spending about 900 million dollars a year investing in the power and transmission and our different assets that's a lot of investment we want to make sure we can continue to produce reliable flexible affordable clean energy for this region for many, many years, keeping that grid healthy and making sure that it can both deliver existing resources and bring new resources online. It's extraordinarily uh, important. Our grid modernization efforts, you know, we're spending, we're going to be investing $25 million every two years uh, to make sure that we can effectively you know, go through a significant technological upgrade of the federal grid so that we have the option to participate in new markets and be part of the renewable energy integration solution. You know, We helped out in the early stages getting the first wave of wind onto the grid. Now we have more and more wind and solar coming on. The hydro system is a very natural complement to other renewable resources. We want to make sure that we have the capacity and flexibility in the system 
uh, to participate in these emerging markets. And so we are really trying to invest. And then as a, the last thing I'll say, building on Tina's point, you know, customers uh, demand responsiveness. You know, they want to know that they've got account executives and business units who are really oriented around meeting their needs in a timely and efficient fashion. I think that's going to be a, an increasingly big part of our service uh, value is knowing that they've got in us an organization that can help them plan, help them meet their needs, work with their local community development organizations, and, and get ahead of the curve so they can continue to thrive economically in their own service territories. So it's a, I'm really glad uh, Tina framed it that way. And speaking of Tina, uh, if anybody knows her, they also know she's supremely organized. And so this really uh, goes to the heart of, of your skill set, Tina, on how we're going to measure success of this plan. There's a lot of folks who've said, gee, a strategy's great. Tell me how you're going to know whether you're succeeding in pushing that strategy forward. Sure. I, I would say there's probably three lenses that we have to look at. So the first piece is the strategic plan actually lays out some very specific key performance indicators um, that we need to achieve as part of the strategic plan. Um, coupled with those are the ones that are listed in our program plans, again, back to the tactics that we'll be taking on a day-to-day -day and year-to-year -year basis. So definitely accomplishing those performance measures is um, one aspect of the success of the plan. Another aspect is customers. Um, so at the end of the day, um, do they feel that we are a good business partner? Are they choosing us above other options? Um, and we'll see as we move through time, as we, if we execute the plan successfully, that should put us in position to achieve that. And then I think the third lens is around our employees. Um, in the plan, we talk about how being a uh, zero injury workplace, um, diverse and inclusive, um, built on the foundation of our leadership behaviors. Um, so when we have an environment that our employees are experiencing that, then I think that is the third lens of whether or not we were successful. Great. You know, when we started out the podcast today, we talked about delivering on our public responsibilities through a commercially successful business. We talked uh, about uh, the customers. We talked about our employees. Let's talk a little bit, Elliot, maybe about um, that public responsibility element and just some of the uh, pieces there that we're going to be tracking and measuring when it comes to delivering on all of those vast responsibilities that yeah. folks uh, depend upon us for. Well, you know, the idea that, of course, first pops to mind and is just such an important part of our legacy is, is energy efficiency. Right? This region has built uh, several power plants worth of energy efficiency through just consistent investment going back to the 1980s. That's always been something uh, very important to me to continue. Uh, we, we, we are constantly looking for new and more effective ways to achieve energy efficiency and really meet the emerging uh, constraints on our power and transmission system the most efficient way as possible. We have, but we have energy efficiency targets. We review them every Monday at our operations meeting and we're committed to meeting those. So that's a big one. Look, the, the, the fish and wildlife element is such an important part of what we do. You know, the, the hydroelectric system has had impacts on our rivers and on salmon. And we embrace that, we understand that. Uh, you know, we feel uh, that we've put a lot of energy into that over the years and we think we've had some significant successes it's it's frustrating to still be struggling in court but it is what it is and so we're looking for ways to work with our federal and state and tribal partners to continue to evolve and make progress uh, you know that's we're, we're committed to that uh, but at the end of the day 
um, you know, when you look at the, on the ground and you look at the amount of the, just the sheer amount of investment, this is one of the most, most meaningful parts of my job, particularly when I go out and meet with the tribes and some of the more beautiful parts of the region to see the kind of habitat conservation work that we're doing on the ground when you're really seeing fish coming back to the rivers. That's the stuff that really makes a difference. And that's an important part of what we do. Uh, it's again, it's both a cost, but it's also a big part of I think of our value proposition. So those two areas are are obviously huge. But at the end of the day, also just just providing reliable and zero carbon power and capacity to this region is a really big benefit. And it's something I'm really proud of. I've been here for 16 years. I get up every day. I go racing off to work. I'm so excited to be part of solving these big issues for the region. I love having such a strong team and all these great people that work for us who are putting their heart and soul into it. And it's an exciting, uh, challenging time to be in the business. So you can definitely hear that passion in your voice, Elliot, about uh, what excites you about the strategic plan. And that really makes me want to pivot toward what you see in the months and years ahead. Um, what excites you about executing this plan? Really, this is a question for both of you. Well, you, you talk about a pivot, so this actually is a pivot for us, too. This is really the opportunity to continue the legacy of uh, being the economic engine as well as the uh, trusted steward of this environment in this region for the next 80 years. And I can't think of another organization that carries such a mantle. Um, and so I'm really proud to be part of this team and, and watch us deliver on this uh, for the region. I've always been uh, very interested <coughs> in the history of the region. Uh, the history of the power system, the history of, of what we've achieved together over the years, and every generation of leadership has its own set of challenges. I, I, I've always been very fascinated with the 1960s, you know, when uh, Charles Lewis was the administrator and we negotiated the Columbia River Treaty and built the Interties and the Pacific Northwest Coordination Agreement. Then, you know, you go through the 70s and the 80s and the challenges of the 90s and the 2000s. Every generation faces its own unique challenges. And I think our, our generation is facing, you know, very, very rapid transformation of the electricity industry, new resource types, changing customer preferences, uh, just a fundamental shift in, in the supply side on gas, um, much greater heightened uh, attention and public discourse around climate uh, and environmental sustainability. And I think we have a challenge, as Tina alluded to this, to sort of reinvent and adapt Bonneville so they can continue delivering on that core value proposition around economic sustainability and environmental sustainability, but at the same time um, bringing the new tools of the modern energy economy uh, into the way we do business and really lining up the organization around what's most important to us and our customers. And so it is exciting. I, I really uh, have appreciated uh, the partnerships with so many different organizations around this region. You know, the, the states and the, and the tribes, uh, our customers really, <clears throat> I think have done a heck of a job speaking with a uniform voice around, around what they're looking for. Uh, and our goal here, we'd love to, you know, get into the middle of next decade and, and keep things moving for generations to come. So it's, it is fun and exciting. Well, as we start to wrap up our conversation today on BPA's new strategic plan, is there anything that uh, you want our listeners to know uh, that maybe you'd like to, uh, to share? So I'll start. Um, so we, we've, we have a great strategic plan. We've laid out the direction. It's, I will be the first to acknowledge this is not easy work. Um, but as my dad used to always say, if it were easy, then anyone could do it. Um, and Bonneville's not anyone. And certainly we wouldn't still be here after 80 years if we were just anyone. So I think the people of BPA are ready and capable to deliver on this. I guess I would just uh, 
amplify that. And, and Scott, I'd like to thank you too and, and your communications team. Um, I think this is a, a neat opportunity for uh, for Bonneville and our partners to share perspectives. And you know, there's there's a lot out there uh, at the moment around energy and environment. And one of the things we try to do is is to try to be, oh, I don't know, maybe sort of an honest broker of information. There's some big public policy issues at play right now for this region, and we want to try to be uh, supportive and enabling of, of good decisions around the future of our power system. And so I'm looking forward to continuing to share information and, and communicate about these important topics and, and help Bonneville and our customers and our employees uh, make a positive difference. So. Uh, appreciate the opportunity to be here this morning. Great. Well, thanks to both of you, and we really appreciate you talking a little bit just in depth about our strategic plan and where you think we're going to be heading here in, in the future. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of Energy Pulse Northwest. Until next time, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram at Bonneville Power. If you have any questions about today's topic or ideas for future episodes, please email us at energypulsenorthwest at bpa.gov. That's energypulsenw at bpa.gov.